1: For us? Good morning, my beloved friends in Christ. Good Good morning. You know, it's really good to be here again, to be serving you by means of the preaching of God's Word. But before we start, let us pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the way of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. We ask that you speak today, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. My friends, what do you do when you face personal suffering? When you are hemmed in by troubles, when your visit to the doctors come back with the result, cancer. When you are bullied and taunted in school, and the bully, bullying follows you home on social media. When your relationship with a significant other is filled with struggles, when your work demands is beyond your mental capacity, and threatens you with burnout. When your application for work gets turned down for the fifth time and anxiety sets in. Or when the stubborn darkness that you've been experiencing just will not live and you feel deep despair. When tribulations presses in on you, what do we do when we face personal suffering? What can we do when we know someone facing personal suffering what can we do as church and my friends this question is not theoretical we have as a church in the past two years experienced two humanly unexplainable tragic events what can we do when we know we really know of someone facing personal suffering god through paul speaks about suffering in romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 8 and tells us what we can believe and what we can do but before i go there i would like to give a word of pastoral word to those who are suffering among us there is a mystery to suffering you know i don't want to add a sense of guilt to the survivors of tragedies you know the old testament saint job in his story he was not told the reason for his suffering Even at the end of the book of Job, he did not fully understand why he suffered. On this side of heaven, sometimes we really cannot explain suffering or fully understand the reason why. We cannot always see what God is doing in our pain. But my friends, we will know fully when we see Jesus Christ face to face. So for those of us who are facing tragedies and suffering, I'm sorry for your suffering. And I stand with you and I care for you. But, my friends, nevertheless, it does not mean that we can know nothing and do nothing. Where the Bible is clear, we need to be clear. And Paul shed some light on suffering in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. So, let's look at a passage right now. So, if your Bibles, you open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. I'll remain largely in this text, but I'll refer elsewhere uh, here and there. Paul begins verse 1 with what? With therefore. So we need to look back at what Paul has been saying. In verses 1 to 2, Paul builds on the foundation of what he has been saying from Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to 425. And in two minutes, that's what he says. He tells us, all people are sinners. He tells us, being religious cannot counteract the power of sin. Therefore, everyone without exception needs to be safe from the wrath of God against our sins. But God, but God has provided the way out. The atoning death of Jesus Christ is God's promised plan to save us. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, we will be justified. A law court term of being declared not guilty so whether jew or gentile this means every one of us we will be justified counted righteous by means of faith as eugene told us having faith means sitting on a chair and trusting fully that the chair will support me faith is relying fully on jesus christ and as ian preached last week from romans 4 abraham is an old testament example of someone whose faith was counted to him as righteousness. And the story of Abraham was written also for our sakes. As Romans 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 to 25 uh, tells us, it assures us that we who place our faith in God's promises, God will justify us by means of our faith. You see, my friends, when we trust in the one who has raised the dead power, we too will be counted as righteous. So we trust in Jesus Christ, who was handed over to die because of our sins and raised to life to make us right with God. And we are justified. We are declared righteous. We enter into a new relationship with God. So for those of us who are just joining us, this is a two-minute summary of where we have been in our messages in Romans. And for those of us who, like me, have been wondering, really, Ollie, did we cover all this in the last four chapters? Don't worry. Even as a pastor, I had to look it all up. Because as human beings, we tend to be forgetful. And those who work with me can tell how forgetful I can be at times. And I think Paul knows that human beings we all tend to be forgetful so he summarizes and reminds us of what God has been doing in verses 1 and 2. he calls us to remember that we have received undeserved privilege from God Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 2 therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god we have been justified by faith you Now sam preached uh, on this text uh, in romans chapter 3 verse 21 to 26 sam explains to us what it means when he last preached from this glorious text in roman from roman 3. Briefly, what it means is this. It means that through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have been counted as not guilty. We have been declared righteous with God. And my friends, this is the past tense of the Christian life. In verses 1 to 2, Paul builds on this past tense, as on this foundation of the Christian being counted as righteous. And then he extends it, extends it to the present and future tense there is a present tense to Christian life. We have, we now have peace with God. We have obtained access into grace. And this peace with God that we have is not a subjective, subjective peace. It's not a, oh, I have peace now and with making this decision and I'm now going ahead kind of peace. Then what kind of peace is this? What kind of peace is Paul talking about? Remember, my friends, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 320, he tells us that we are sinners facing the wrath of God. Do you remember that? That all of us, all of us without exception, we, as sinners, we face the wrath of God. So peace with God here, what does it mean? It means the end of this hostility. It means that God's wrath has been turned away from us. It means that God's anger against our sin has been a please. All this through jesus christ so being justified by faith means that god is no longer angry with us we are no longer under the judgment of god and because of this through jesus christ we have obtained access into grace this access is an empty-handed receiving the only thing we contribute to it is our need we have received access into this grace which we now stand. What this means, my friends, what this glorious truth means is that we now have the undeserved privilege of receiving a new standing, a new status, a status of having a restored relationship with God. We are now citizens of heaven, as Paul writes in another letter. The Old Testament hope of God, who will be our God, and we will be His people, is now fulfilled we presently have a new relationship and a new status as a result of being justified by faith there's also a future tense in the christian life we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god we rejoice or it can be translated as boast we boast in what god has done for us we no longer boast in our own privilege our own knowledge, or moral achievement. For all such boasting is excluded. Because of what God has done for us, we are no longer under God's judgment because we are now His people. We have a sure and certain hope of sharing again in the glory of God. What does this mean, the glory of God? The glory of God is the infinite greatness and splendor of God. It is the glory we lost. Romans one twenty three tells us that it's the glory we long for and seek. Romans 2.7 tells us that. It's the glory we lack. Romans 3.23 tells us that. But it's also the glory we will one day share. As Paul tells us in Romans 8 verses, uh, verse 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. my friends let the weight of this sink in we get to see and share in God's glory as we spend eternity in the new heavens and the new earth with great delight and joy in the presence of God my friends isn't this such a wonderful two verses this is a summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ Paul writes to remind us of our new definite standing, our new definite status, and of our assured, certain hope. What does this mean for us when we face present suffering? This means for us is that we need to remind ourselves who we are now in Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in Him. We need to keep telling us the truth, truth from God's Word, because in the midst of our suffering our eternal voices often tells us lies tell us lies about ourselves also many times when we struggle the temptation is to isolate ourselves from other believers and i urge you my friends those who are suffering do not do that come and be part of the church come every sunday for service come for our cgs and our bible studies come even when you don't feel like it. Come to church. Come to church to be reminded by others of who we are in Christ and what we hope for. Let the messages, the songs, the Bible studies speak truth into our lives, especially when we are in the midst of our struggles. And what does this mean for the rest of us? You know, the elders, when we meet, we go through the membership role monthly. So we have a list of names of people. We go through them. We pray through them. And one of the things that we do is we watch out for those who are irregular or absent from church. Because oftentimes, being absent from church can often mean that a member is struggling. And then we'll follow up and contact them. But friends, as you look around now, There are close to 400 to 500 or so attenders in our Sunday service. So we need everyone's help. If you notice someone who has been irregular or absent, drop them a text or email. Ask them how they are. Ask them how you can pray for them and encourage them to come and be part of the church. It will take only one to two minutes, but it may greatly encourage the person who is struggling to come to church Paul follows with verse 3 now that we understand the implications of being justified by faith how do we apply it in our present Christian life and one of the ways is in the midst of our suffering Paul tells us we rejoice in our present suffering rejoice in our sufferings at this point let me say just three quick things about suffering Firstly, suffering is a result of the fall. Because of the fall in Genesis 3, creation is cursed, everything is broken, so suffering is not good. You need to hear that again. Suffering is not good. But God can and will bring good out of suffering. Secondly, suffering will come to all. Suffering will come to all. I know sometimes some of our young people, some of us may may also suffer, but some of us who, are, who live a life who is relatively comfortable, we assume that suffering is an exception. But Paul tells us that suffering will come to all. Paul assumes that we will suffer. Jesus Christ, our Lord himself, tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will suffer but take heart I have overcome the world my friends in this world as disciples of Christ we will face trials and troubles and tribulations lastly suffering is not punishment suffering is not punishment you know we have some segments of Christianity uh, they have embraced the prosperity gospel and the prosperity gospel almost treats suffering as punishment for sin You know, sure, sometimes we suffer because we self-sabotage ourselves. Because of our self-sabotaging sin, sometimes we suffer. But most suffering is simply because we live in a broken world. In a broken world that is waiting to be restored. The prosperity gospel tells us, if I just have the faith, I would have a better outcome. Or if I have faith in Jesus Christ to heal my loved ones, he or she will be healed. My friends, this is a dangerous lie. Is not about how strong your faith is. It's about Jesus Christ and His justifying death and how this changes our present standing and our future hope. God has not promised physical healing or material success in this world. But God has given us assurance of His promise that His raised the dead power will count us right with Him, justified if we trust in Him. So my friends, what do we do then in the midst of our sufferings? We rejoice, we show great joy. The word in original Greek also means to boast or to glory. The idea is to display or proclaim publicly our joy in the midst of our suffering. As one author writes, when life is falling apart and worldly happiness has long since fled, Christian joy in the midst of suffering can shine forth clearly and uniquely. By means of our rejoicing, we tell the watching world that our joy is not based on fleeting circumstances, but on the settled trust that God has already justified us. How does this look like? As Sam said, this does not call us to a happily, happily version of Christianity. It doesn't mean that you're happy all the time. How does this rejoicing look like? This rejoicing looks like a mother grieving the loss of a son and yet clinging on to the Word of God, rejoicing, trusting in God's promises. Rejoicing looks like a woman giving testimony that our suffering is never for nothing, that our suffering can achieve God's purposes for us. And at this point, I'd like to show a video testimony And as the av team gets ready to play it i'd like to thank lisu for her testimony she knows that she's justified in christ she has nothing to lose and nothing to prove so she can be open with her struggles with depression with the stubborn darkness that will not live and thank you stanley for doing the video as well are we ready team can we play the video
0: suffering can happen apart from obvious external difficulties or loss in life. Nine years ago, I had a healthy one-month-old baby, a sparkling three-year-old girl, a husband with a good job, and a house. I was fortunate. I had a good life filled with many blessings. I sank into depression, the suffering was in my mind, and the world looked bleak to me. Everything was hopeless, black, and very painful. The despair was overwhelming. So much so that I thought that death might be preferable to life. My life looked great and abundant from the outside, but inside all I could see was emptiness, dread, futility, fear. Depression is an illness that affects 10% of the population. Sometimes it happens just once in a person's life, but for others of us, the dark periods keep popping up. The suffering in depression is real. You can't simply just get over it. My first episode lasted for five months before I started medication and crawled out of the pit. Over the last nine years, I've had on average one to two episodes a year, each lasting over a month. I'm currently on two medications for maintenance and a third one I add on whenever I have an episode. Mine is a chronic, probably lifelong disease. My best friends are those I've made when I've been depressed. People care deeply and are eager to help. Reach out and ask for help if you're suffering from any cause. The church is mostly a safe place, and some people may not understand or may say wrong things that hurt. Just move on. Tell someone else what's going on and how you're feeling. You may find a treasure. And if you see me looking glum and empty, ask me, are you okay? If I say I'm depressed, don't run away. Give me a hug and say you'll pray for me. It really helps. So thank you to all my friends here who love support and pray for me whenever i'm down
1: for those of us who are suffering heed what lisu is saying be open not everyone will understand or even say the right thing but you will find friends who would and some may even be your treasured become your treasured good friends be open Do approach and ask the elders to pray for and pray with you. For us, church, do not stigmatise and avoid those who are suffering, especially those who are struggling with emotional and mental health issues. They are not an inconvenience. Rather, they are part of God's plan to shape us as a church, to grow us in compassion show compassion just as God has shown great love for you compassion the root of the word means to come alongside those who suffer talk to them pray with them pray for them cry together with them comfort and encourage them let us really live as grace together You know, when you first start to exercise, it feels like suffering, doesn't it? You know, when I started my boxing class, I almost died in the first 15 minutes of running, circuit training, and skipping rope. Yeah, I still, I still struggle through that. But the suffering during exercise did something for me. Over six weeks, I realized that I started to get used to the first 15 minutes. I know, noticed that I had better stamina and I had increased clarity and focus. God also uses our sufferings to do something, doesn't He? And let's see what God is doing in us. Romans chapter five, verse three to four tells us, "We rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope." This is Elizabeth Elliot. She's the wife of Jim Elliot. Jim Elliott was a missionary to the native people of Ecuador. In 1956, she stood by her shortwave radio in the jungle of Ecuador and heard the terrible news that her husband, Jim, was missing. Five days later, she knew the terrible fact that Jim was dead. How can a God who is loving allow such a thing to happen? Through her suffering in the midst of this tragedy, Elizabeth learned who God is in a way she could not never have known otherwise. She writes in her new book, Suffering is an an irreplaceable medium through which I learn an indispensable truth. God is God. My friends, in the midst of her suffering, she developed the patient endurance of waiting and trusting in God. Her patience and endurance developed a Christ-like character of trust, trusting that God is God. And that character of trust gave her an assured hope in a loving God who promises future glory, <coughs> that her suffering is never for nothing. Suffering, dependent on how we respond to it, can shape our character to become more Christ-like and can sharpen our hope we live in the midst of suffering by trusting in the hope of future glory. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look to the, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. So to my friends here who are struggling with suffering, please hear me when I say this, our suffering is never for nothing is preparing us for future glory. Trust and rest in this. <clears throat> when, I personal struggle, when I personally struggle with the darkness that will not live, I will often question whether God is good and whether He loves me. You know, the three great truths about God are, God is good and He loves us, God is wise and there's great wisdom in what God does. God is in control and everything that happens is part of His plan. When I struggle with the stubborn darkness, I do not question whether God is wise or whether God is control. My struggle is to believe that God is good and that He loves me. And my friends, this is where verses 5 to 8 is such a healing word to my struggling soul god knows that those of us who struggle with suffering need to hear these words and he inspired paul to write and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us for while we were still weak meaning utterly helpless at the right time christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person One would would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul tells us that this hope that we have in Jesus will not lead to disappointment. It will not lead us to shame. And he grounds this statement in God's love for us. Because God loves us, our hope for future glory will not be disappointed. It tells us that God has really demonstrated how dearly He loves us and He gives proof of this both in our subjective experience and in an objective truth. Verse 5 describes the subjective experience. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What does this mean? What does this mean? Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us when we trusted in Christ Jesus will fill our heart with God's love. You speak to Christians who have experienced deep suffering and many can tell of personal stories of times when they will mysteriously get a profound sense and feeling of God's love for them. get a sense in, in 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 the spirit in the inner self that god tells them i love you this experience is the work of the holy spirit he gives us assurance that god loves us my friends god's spirit also worked through god's people and in my last bout of experiencing this stubborn darkness of feeling down and depressed in one day i receive a phone call a meal, and had someone bring me a home-cooked meal, uh, a phone call, and email, and had someone bring me a home-cooked meal. The phone call was from a pastor friend who felt a prompting to call and pray for me as he sensed that I may have been struggling. The email was a reply from a dear brother in church who will be getting married soon. While exhorting me to stay faithful to God, he wrote, he wrote this sentence, whether we are single or married. The Lord loves us all the same. And the meal came from a friend in church who brought comfort food in the form of a home-cooked meal to comfort me. My friends, this is subjective personal experience. It does not turn out the same way for everyone. But God's Word tells us in the different ways for different people, God is telling us, I love you dearly. And for us as church, if you feel a prompting to reach out to encourage someone through a phone call, an email or text message, or even bring them a home-cooked meal, do not hesitate to do so. You may just be used by God to show God's love for that person. Verses six to eight gives us proof of God's love for us grounded in an objective truth. Grounded in objective truth. You know, in ethics class, for some of you, you know, UNC students who are uh, afforded a liberal arts education, you take uh, a class on ethics. In the ethics class, you will sometimes use the sinking ship scenario to discuss the making of ethical decisions. I think some of you may have heard it, cause it has made its round on Facebook and on the internet as well. So the scenario is this: the ship is sinking and the seas are rough. All but one lifeboat has been destroyed. The lifeboat holds a maximum of six people. There are ten people that want to board the lifeboat. The four individuals that, who do not board the boat will certainly die. So who do you save? And some variations on the list of ten people includes a medical doctor whose research will save many lives and a convict sentenced to life imprisonment for crimes committed. And when this scenario is given almost inevitably people will vote to save the good doctor and leave the convict to die most of us would think that the convict do not deserve someone else to die in his place but my friends we are that convict we are ungodly sinners do not deserve Jesus Christ dying for us. But verses 6 to 8 tells us of God's love, tells us the objective truth of the height and the depth of God's love for us. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's death on the cross of Kerry Death on the cross of Kerry to save us, assures us of God's love for us. So my friends, in the midst of suffering, know that God loves you. God dearly loves you. And we rejoice because God loves us. To my non-Christian friends who are here today, your experience of suffering does not mean that God is not God shows his love for you as well. While we were still sinners, facing the judgment of God, Christ died for you. So I urge you, my friends, accept God's love. Place your faith, place your trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in God's promises and rely on Jesus Christ fully. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, as the one who died for you if this is your desire you can approach any of the pastors or elders or even talk to your friend who invited you here today we'll be happy to talk to you about jesus christ and how you can place your faith in him so my beloved friends for those of us struggling with personal suffering remember the gospel remember that god is doing a work in you remember that God dearly loves you and rejoice in your suffering. For those of us who know someone facing personal suffering, stand with those who are suffering. Show to them in our words and actions that God loves them. Pray for God to do a work in them and encourage them in the gospel. Finally, Paul writes later in Romans chapter 8, verse 16 to 18. I've already read verse 18, but let's read the entire passage together. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 to verse 18. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing. With the glory that is to be revealed to us my friends do you hear that this is always God's way suffering first then glory later but my friends this text also tells us we are going to get what is coming to us an unbelievable inheritance If we go through hard times with jesus christ who suffered for our sakes then we'll certainly get to go through the good times with him and there's no comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times now as we end this message today let us apply from today's message by reminding one another of what god has done for us in song let's encourage those of us who are struggling. Tell one another of who we are in Christ and what we hope for. And as I invite the worship team to come up, and as they make their way... Worship team, can you please come up? And as they make their way up, let me read the last two paragraphs of the song, When Trials Come. This song captures in words today's message. This is what it says. When I am weary with the cause, I see the triumph of the cross so in its shadow I shall run till you complete the work begun till you complete the work begun one day all things will be made new I see the hope you call me to and in your kingdom paved with gold I'll praise your faithfulness of old. I'll praise your faithfulness of old. amen Worship team, please. That's right.